listening to the North Avenue Show, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of some top entrepreneurs and marketing directors. I'm Andrew Curtin, and I'm sitting down with top executives to talk about their process, lessons learned, and how to make an impact. Hello and welcome to the North Avenue Show. This is Andrew Curtin speaking. You're very welcome to the eighth episode of the show. This week's show is brought to you by the Irish World newspaper. The Irish World is a weekly newspaper for Irish people living in Britain and their families. The newspaper can be bought in many stores around London and also in many of Eastern stores back in Ireland. On this week's podcast, I sat down with Charlie Mullins, OBE founder and CEO of Pimlico Plumbers, the UK's largest independent plumbing company. Since 1979, Charlie has grown the company from strength to strength, and in 2020, Charlie will be going for the Mayor of London position. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and leave an honest review about the podcast. Charlie Mullins, thanks for coming on the show. A pleasure. Uh, yeah, great to be here. So, Charlie, you were born and raised in one of London's more underprivileged areas. Could you tell us what life was like before your success? Yeah. Well, I come very much from a working class family, um, you know, uh, on, a, on a tough estate in South London, Rockingham Estate. And, um, you know, I couldn't wait to get off there. And, and the way to get off there was, um, you know, to do, to do an apprenticeship and... Uh, and just get into the workplace. And, um, you know, I used to help a local plumber. Um, you know, when I first started off, he used to bunk off school and help this local plumber. And, uh, you know, he had a nice motorbike, nice car, nice uh, holidays, clothes, money. And, and that was my incentive to, you know, want, want to be something like him kind of thing. You know, the success he was in. He was working in all the very sort of wealthy areas, um, you know, um, Primrose Hill area, Hampstead Heath, Parliament Hill Fields, and they was all, you know, very sort of um, exclusive um, areas. And, um, you know, it, it, it sort of rubbed off on, on, on me then. And I always say, you know, talk about, you know, the seeds were sown then. You know, if this guy would have been a bank robber, I'd have been a bank robber because, uh, you know, what, what he had was just so impressive. And Charlie, I suppose a lot of people look at successful people and think they come in the full package, but you just started out like anyone else, just yourself in a van. Yeah, well, I finished my apprenticeship. So apprenticeship started at 15, was four years, and immediately I become self-employed. And, um, you know, again, started working in the better areas, um, you know, Chelsea and uh, Fulham areas and Pimlico areas. And uh, it, it was myself first to start off with, then I was working in the Pimlico area and doing quite a lot in that area for a com- um, an estate agent called Pimlico Properties. And they basically, they offered me a, a room in the basement and, um, you know, I took that opportunity. Um, I didn't quite, you know, I didn't sort of see where it was going to head to, you know, uh, and I couldn't really work out why a plumber would want an office anyhow. But, you know, I, I think it, it was sort of explained to me earlier on that, you know, to be successful... <laughs> Um, you know, as a tradesperson, you've got, you've got to sort of uh, employ other people. And, um, you know, that, that was sort of the, uh, the start of it. Yeah, and I know we're coming into an era that's slightly more remote driven, but when you are starting off, it, it is nice to have a base. It's nice to have that HQ where you can send your business around. That's right. I mean, you are right there. It is nice to have a base, and, and I think it's very important of success. But as a one-man band, you know, you can't see why you would want that, you know, um, you know, because you don't really sort of, 
you know, foresee how you can grow into it. But without a base, um, you know, there's no point. It's something that, you know, once you've got it, I think you can then expand and you can see the, the, the value of it. But as a one-man band, you know, I'll be honest, it didn't register to me, you know, why would a plumber want an office kind of thing? And there's still lots of people today, no doubt, that ask themselves that, especially in the trades game, why would they need an office? And just moving on, Charlie, I know in the 80s you enjoyed much success, but towards the end of the 80s, early 90s, it wasn't the best times in the UK and Pimlico plumbers got badly hit. Yeah, very much so. I think it was uh, late 80s, early 90s. And if I'm being honest, we nearly went bust then. Um, we had to re-sort of jig everything we'd done. Um, you know, we were so close to going bust, basically. Um, at, at that particular time, a lot of our work, um, we didn't collect payment on completion. And uh, like many businesses, you go, you go out of business because other people owe you money. And I think at that time, um, you know, we had about £80,000 owing to us. We had just bought a, a new building in Lambeth for about a quarter of a million pounds. So we had the bank on our case. And, um, you know, we borrowed the money, I think it was something like 17%, crazy as it sounds. And all of a sudden, you know, there was a recession. Um, it pretty much seemed it happened overnight. And, uh, you know, the bank wanted their money back and we couldn't get our money off, off customers. And, and it was a case then of either go bust or, or fight our way through it. And that's what we've done. And tell us, Charlie, how did your business change after that time? Okay, with the recession, immediately we changed their, um, their payment policy. Um, rather than you know having accounts or letting people have accounts with us and having money outstanding, uh, we made everything payment on completion. So we've done away with all our accounts. And uh, anybody that used us um, was very much so act to pay on completion. And, and that, you know, immediately gave us a good cash flow. And, it, you know, fairly fairly soon we, we got into a position that, um, you know, it, it was the way to go forward. You know, uh, as I said earlier, so many people go out of business because people owe them money. And, um, you know, we, we had no option but to change their policy. And, Charlie, you essentially revolutionized the plumbing industry in a sense so what did you really do to change this yeah i mean um i certainly set out to change the image in in the plumbing industry it's um you know had that bad stigma about it you know plumbers walking about with you know arse hanging out their trousers scruffy turning up late old vans not finishing the job not transparent leaving the job untidy uh, and overcharging so you know my, my idea was that you know if, if I'm being honest when I was an apprentice and and, and uh, you know I'd heard this bad sort of thing about plumbers and, and I thought to myself you know when, when I go out doing the plumbing I don't want to come across like that you know and um, you know so when I started the company it, it, it was my thoughts were always there to change to change the sort of bad stigma about it, you know, to, to get rid of the rip-off idea, to get rid of the plumber not turning up, not finishing the job. And, um, you know, we, we set out to do that. You know, we, we uh, basically I come up with a list of all the bad things that, um, you know, plumbers were being tarnished with. And I, I literally sort of done the opposite, you know, i.e. not turning up, we turn up turning up late, we turn up on time, scruffy old van, smart van, scruffy plumber, we went for smart uniform. So I just literally done a list of, of, of 
all the bad things and just really done the opposite, but really just done it the right way. Yeah, and I guess for anyone who is in a sort of mature industry, it does give hope to them that there is possible simple innovations that they can implement to improve their own brand. Yeah, I mean, any business you, you, that anybody's involved in, you know, I, I would personally, it's as simple as that, come up with a list of, of, of the bad things, you know, whether it be telephone manner, you know, whether it be overcharging, whether it be, you know, the way you wrap your products, what, what, whatever is bad in your industry, um, you know, I would suggest do a list of it and just do the do, do the opposite. But probably more simpler than that is just do things the right way. That's probably the, the easiest way to say to anybody running a business, you know, do it, do it the right way rather than the wrong way. I believe you have a book in your office called The Pimlico Bible. Tell us what that's all about. That's right. We, you know, to sort of, um, to be able to portray across the way we wanted to uh, operate and, and wanted our engineers to operate, you know, it, it's all very well explaining to people what you want about turning up on time and, and you know, doing a detailed invoice and cleaning the job up. But we found that the, the simpler way was to actually put all, all these sort of terms, conditions, do's and don'ts in, in a Pimlico Bible um, and then present, you know, that with the people that work for us, you know, explain it through it and teach them that sort of way of working. And um, but, but certainly by having the manual, um, you know, uh, we found it a, mu- a much easier way. People know the rules and regulations. They know about, you know, they need to wear the uniform. It needs to be clean and tidy. And um, there's no simpler way than, than having it in print for somebody. And what happens if you break one of the rules? You don't work for Pimlico. I mean, simple as that. We, you know, we, we train people to, to work that way. And basically, if people don't want to work that way or, or work under, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of um, ideas that we've come up with, um, then they don't really work for Pimlico. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You know, there are regulations, there are terms and conditions, and you, you either comply with them or go and work somewhere else. And we're not asking anyone to do anything that they wouldn't expect. You know, you know, this day and age, I think it's more so important that people wear uniform. You know, um, you know, from security point of view, it's more important that people have identification on them. It's more important, you know, that you know, people turn up on time. You know, there's a lot of things have changed in business. Oh, for sure. I I think you're 100% right about the security reasons that, you know, customers have to know who's outside their door and when they see a Pimlico plumber's uh, uniform or or van, you know, it does reassure them. And Charlie, just moving on, you're known as the plumber to the stairs where you have clients such as Daniel Craig, Simon Cowell, Joanna Lumley, Richard Branson, just to name a few. People only dream of getting those clients. So how did you break into that market? Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, in London, uh, especially central London, it's highly populated with, you know, a a lot of sort of famous people, politicians, um, entertainers, uh, 
you know, just, just in general, a lot of important people, and you know, they have plumbing problems, same as anybody. And you know, it it, it, it goes by reputation again. You know, we, we back in them early days, we worked for people like Michael Winner, who was one of our first celebrity customers. Um, you know, late Michael Winner, and you know, uh, if you work for a celebrity customer or a normal customer, and 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 they recommend you, you know, and normally, you know, celebrity people are more friendlier with other celebrities and more entertainers or more famous people so it's really just word of mouth so once you sort of start working for an i-class clientele like that um and if they're going to recommend you they recommend you to a similar type of people so you know we very quickly become known as um you know the plumbers to the stars kind of thing um and it's really it's really that's a recommendation um you know no, no, nothing other than that and then you know we also broke very much into the pr side of it um and getting ourselves on the telly and, and, and sort of in the news and that. And again, you know, these type of people, you know, see you on there and they're more inclined to be using you um, because of your status. Yeah, and that's a very interesting point because you hear a lot of small business owners saying they hate being in front of the camera, they like being behind the scenes and nobody knows their name. But to really accelerate your business, you kind of do need to be a bit of a media person. Well, that's right. I mean, look, we're probably one of the first you know, plumbing stroke service companies to really break into uh, the PR side of things. And, um, you know, this was probably um, something like 20 years ago now, when, or yeah, 18, 19 years ago now that we broke into that. And, um, you know, people often say to me that, you know, how important is PR? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredibly important uh, thing today because, you know, there's so much social media out there, there's so much stuff on, on, on the internet, there's so much stuff on, on TVs um, that people rely on. And, you know, there's no be- better way today than to advertise yourself than via social media or, or via PR. And, you know, people often, you know, bigger companies say to me, you know, they're not sure that, they can afford the PR. And, and my answer to that is, you know, can you afford not to have the PR? It is so important, you know, to, to be portrayed out there. You know, we rely a lot more now on the internet and looking into things. And, um, you, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, I believe to be a great successful company, the, the, the importance of it, you know, whether it be something like this, a podcast, you know, whether, whether it be a, a news item in, in a newspaper, whether it be something on the radio or, or TV, you know, we rely on, on that source quite a lot. And, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely made, you know, Pimlico Plumbers the company we are today. Oh, no doubt about that. And one strategy that you implemented a long time ago that received wide media attention was your company van's personalised licence plates. I know you've bog, drain, all these different type of licence plates and the media mopped it up. Yeah. Um, again, you know, you know, like in all businesses, you know, they you've got to take the, the gamble, you've got to take chances, you've got to take risk on things. And, um, you know, I, I would say it was probably 30 years ago that, um, you know, I had come up with this idea of, of having plumbing related number plates and the first one I bought was drain and um, I believe it was about £6,000 at the time and I was having sleepless nights shall I buy it shall I is it crazy ain't it crazy uh, you can't necessarily see the future now they've caught on massively you know so many companies have them and publicised their business it, it's, it's another great way 
way of publicising your business. And, um, you know, we have 250 vans on the road, and I would say we probably have about 180 plumbing-related number plates. They become very popular, you know, a bit like the Eddie Stalbert um, idea. And, you know, we get a lot of people that collect them. We've got a lot of people that actually book a plumber by the by you know they say i had bog one round here i've had shower round here can i have loo round here so it's it's very sort of popular thing we've also used it for quite a lot of charities you know charity sort of ideas where it's spot the number player we donate money um it's just another great marketing tool and and you know why i say that um also about the 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 number plates on on our vehicles we have 250 vehicles on the road our biggest advertising tool is, is our vans on the road um, and you know by adding that to it it's just increased the the the, the importance of, of our vehicles on the road I mean there's no finer way to advertise if you're if you're a business that can you know have a sign written van to be driving around London it's it's, it's a, it, to be perfectly honest it's the cheapest form of advertisement and um, it's one of the, the one of the best things there is out there I believe you know just just to add that there I believe that all trades people that come into London um, should have the name of their company sign written on their vehicles um, and and um, I mean for two things one for security reasons um, but you know, more importantly, the the the, the image of, of you as a company driving around London that people see is just priceless advertisement. Oh, definitely, especially if you are in that service game and you are located in London. There is no better way. And Charlie, moving on, a number of years ago, you employed a 97-year-old man called Buster Martin. He was known as the oldest worker in Britain. Now, was this for? Productivity reasons, or just a simple PR stunt? Um, I'm going to say for both. I mean, you know, this this guy Buster was in the old people's home around the corner, and uh, he used to walk by, you know, and uh, he'd go into the pub, and um, you know, I used to give him a score twenty quid to have a beer, and he, and he said to me one day, you know, um, you know, um, you know, I want to pay you back for it. So you know, I said, what can you do? What you, he said, you know, give me some jobs today. I said, what do you want to do? Sweep up, you know. Uh, he said, no, I wash the vans. And, um, you know, so if I'm being honest, I didn't foresee where it was going. And uh, I thought, well, I just let him do the vans as a, you know, he, you know, so he does a film, I'm just giving him a couple of quid for a drink. And, you know, the next cup, I think on the Monday morning turn up here, um, probably about six o'clock in the morning. We, we never used to be open 24 hours then. We had a 24-hour system, but we didn't occupy the building 24 hours. And, um, you know, I got him on the vans and then I contacted my PR company and, um, you know, it went berserk then, you know, and, and uh, he carried on with us till he was 104. And, um, you know, the, 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 the amount of publicity that we got from it uh, was just incredible. Um, and, and we still get it today, still mentioned today, you know, even, even though he passed away two or three years ago. And I guess, Charlie, in the next few months, it's going to be tough. And the next few years, more than likely, it's going to be very tough for the British and other parts of the European economy. So what do you think the future looks like for British businesses, big and small? 
Yeah, well, look, as you said, undoubtedly it's going to be tough. You know, the uncertainty, the Brexit, um, the change of prime minister, um, and plus the fact we are due for a recession. Um, you know, the, they obviously come around every so often and we're well overdue on it. When, when, when things get tough, you know, obviously you, the first thing you do is start tightening down on, on, on staff members and, and, you know, cutting out people that you don't require. Um, and then, you know, what often happens, you know, companies cut down on their marketing and advertising. Well, I'm going to say don't cut down on your advertising and marketing. More so ever, you need to step it up. And um, it, it, it's, it's one of them things that, that, you know, to get through a recession, I think if you tighten back on, on your workforce and obviously you, you cut back on certain other stuff that, that may be non-required, but the, the most important thing not to tighten down on is marketing and advertisement because you actually need more of that. Um, but but the other, I think, great way is when things get tough out there is, you know, offer more value for money. Um, you, you know, that, that's, that's an important thing. When money's tight, people want more value for money. And, and that's, you know, going to go back to not necessarily cutting your prices, but, you know, turning up on time and, and being more efficient and, you know, doing the job better or the product better. It's a case of, look, you have to up, up your game. When things get tough, you know, you just have to up your game more and more to, to you know, to, to make sure that you get, um, you know, more of the market share of people. But definitely don't cut back on, on marketing and advertising. Definitely not. It's funny you said that because I had a professor when I was doing my postgraduate studies over in Belfast and... He said the same thing. He just said, during a recession is not the time to cut back on marketing and advertising. He said, it's actually the time to up it. And he said, it's also the time to cut the fat. And what he meant by that was, there'll always be people in your business that you are carrying are sentimental about and during recessionary times it's time to get rid of those people that's that's right you get rid of the dead wood that's, that's exactly it you know that's, that's as simple as making it you know you, you look at what you've got and and you cut back and you get rid of the ones that you've been half thinking about or the ones that are not pulling their weight and look everybody has to up their game if people don't up their game on that time then you're not going to get through a recession and Charlie 2020 is a very big year for you you're going for the Mayor of London position. Um, could you tell us a small bit about your motives behind us? That's right. Well, you know, I, I, I sort of, you know, born in London, live in London, work in London, um, socialise in London. So, you know, I think I've got a great understanding uh, of, of what Londoners require and, and what they don't. And, um, you know, one of my ideas would be that, you know, uh, to run for that and, and um, you know, start sort of looking after London people people more you know and certainly uh, I think a strong point would be of um, getting youngsters into work um, I think that's the important thing I think that's the key to so many things you know it cuts down crime on the street it cuts down you know costing of rehabilitation um, and and so many youngsters you know out there today um, they're, they're, you know they're, whenever they get in trouble or there's something you know really serious happens with it they often come back with you know I don't have a job and you know the boredom and I'm hanging around and you know I'm convinced that if you can get youngsters into work then I think that's going to make such a 
such a big difference to to society. And in London, I think that that's one of their major problems that have to be tackled. And I believe that by doing my apprenticeship and and the success of what has come from that, um, I think that's something that. I could really push a, a, as, a, as a London mayor. And that concept you just discussed there, would that be first on your to-do list if you got into office? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it certainly would be because, you know, I think I think it, it, it resolves so many problems and it also, you know, unemployment of youngsters creates so many problems. And, um, you know, it, it's something that, you know, I believe that when youngsters leave school, you know, they should, you know, have a, have a job go to university or actually go into a government funding apprenticeship scheme. And that is something that, you know, we need to to have, you know, all across everywhere, but certainly in London uh, to make some, some major changes, yeah. Charlie, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And I wish you the best of luck in your race to become Mayor of London next year. You've a truly rags to riches story and very inspiring for young people. So I wish you the best of luck and thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, well, it's been a great pleasure and hopefully, you know, that people can, can see, you know, that you can be successful and, you know, maybe just one more tip that we, we haven't mentioned. It's always something that someone forgets, you know, um, and... and you know, it's very, very important to, to remember that, you know, to be successful, it, you've got to put in hard work. And uh, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Thank you for listening to the North